Welcome to the Messy Middle podcast and radio show presented by Mother and Founder Co. Each month, guests are invited to share their version of the messy middle and the lessons they've learned along the way. Whether you're in the messiness of growing a business, healing from trauma, or navigating the wild world of parenting, this show is a must. We are excited to celebrate the messiness of life and business with you. And now, let's settle in as host Jen Burwell connects us with today's guests. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back. We were all just kind of jamming out to the intro music, so hopefully you were as well. I have two amazing guests today. I am so excited for this conversation. Since you guys agreed to be on, I've just been over the moon. So I want to introduce you to these mystery guests. Our first um, guest is Mindy Jones, the owner of the Amy Jones Group and founder of Community on Purpose. Welcome. Thank you so much. Super excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. And Kim Bryant, physical therapist and owner of Thrive Pelvic Health and Wellness. Hello. Hi. We've been talking about having you on for a long, long time. So I am so excited that today it's here. And I think this is going to be such a great conversation with the both of you. So I always like to start every show with just introducing yourself to the audience, starting with where'd you come from, kind of where you, how you grew up, where you came from, to how'd you get here in 30 seconds or less. <laughs> 30 seconds or less, we'll <laughs> no see. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit longer than that, but just give us a sense of your background. Um, Kim, do you want to go? Yeah. Um, so grew up in Tempe, Arizona. I have three brothers, so very active. I got my degree in kinesiology, realized I couldn't really do a heck of a lot with that, so went on to get my doctorate in physical therapy. Started out in an outpatient clinic, then transitioned into geriatrics Mm -hmm. and started realizing that a lot of my patients were having bladder issues. Mm -hmm. So that started my journey into pelvic health. And then after my two births, realized that the support for women prenatally postpartum is just lacking. Mm -hmm. So that in addition to a poor work-life balance kind of landed me in my own business. That's awesome. And I want to dive deep into, into that. But did you go to school here? And so you've lived here in Arizona Native? I would say practically. Okay. I've been here since eight, moved here from uh, mm-hmm. Austin, Texas, but mm-hmm. graduated from ASU, played some soccer in college, a few different oh, wow. places, and then went to graduate school out in Mesa at AT Still. Very cool. That's awesome. Mindy, how about you? I am an Arizona native, so born and raised in Phoenix, and then moved my family to the East Valley about six years ago. Uh, So I'm a Roselane kid, if you're from Arizona. Mm -hmm. I went to Central High School and graduated with an undergrad in psychology and a master's in public administration, and now I have a PhD in, I would say, the messy of life. (laughs) Um, I have owned my own business for 10 years and started a nonprofit profit earlier this year. And the true definition of messy is having a three and a half year old toddler son uh, named Nico, who I love and I learn from every day, but it certainly is messy. Literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. All those things. Yes. (laughs) Wow. So I'm also an Arizona native. Um, I say that I'm a third generation, but my grandmother moved here when she was like two. So 
technically it's second generation, but um, I grew up in North Phoenix and then went to ASU and I love the Valley. And, and then I moved to the East Valley about 11 years ago. And it's just so interesting to me. I always thought there's like the West Valley and the East Valley and like the two sides. My dad lives in the West Valley and he's always like, oh, why do you live so far away? And I'm like, why do you live in California? That is such yep. an Arizona thing. Yes. Yeah. Growing yeah. up in Central Phoenix, the West Side started at Third Avenue, mm-hmm. which obviously now, as my world has grown, we know that that's not really how it works. <laughs> right. But Arizona is like your own little box, and mm-hmm. it's been really fun to explore out from there. Yes. There are so many cool places. So I want to dive into the messiness. You both kind of um, referenced it. And and Kim, when you were talking about with your check-in and, you know, the work-life balance kind of got you into owning your own business, what you wrote on your form was just so interesting to me. And I want to hear you tell the audience a little bit more about desired chaos and how you came across that topic or that concept for you and, and how that shows up in your life and, and how you became a business owner. Yeah, so... When I was filling out the form, I was doing a lot of reflecting Mm -hmm. on how I got to where I was. And it wasn't ever necessarily a goal of mine to start my own practice and do my Mm -hmm. own thing. I thought there's no way I ever want to manage people. There's no way I want to run my own business. I just want to show up, go home, and be done. Mm -hmm. And in uh, summer of 2018— My youngest was almost two, and then my Mm -hmm. oldest was four. And we had lived in um, our house for a while. I was close to the daycare, um, close to work. I was starting to just get on this hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. And um, I would show up to—I'd get the boys ready, drop them off, go to work, work all day, pick them up, have work to do, but then still cook dinner— put them Mm. to bed when it's like the bewitching hour, you know, (laughs) (laughs) they're tired. I'm tired. Put them to bed, exhausted. Couldn't, didn't really feel like I could spend time with my husband. My husband would get home a little bit later, um, in the evenings, um, after we had dinner and, you know, around Mm -hmm. bath time. And, and then I would repeat that. And then I would repeat that Mm -hmm. again and again. And I felt like I wasn't being fulfilled myself. I didn't feel like I was giving my children, my spouse, my patients Mm -hmm. the quality of me that they deserved. And so I realized something needed to change. Mm -hmm. I couldn't change. I loved my career. I couldn't step away from my career. Yeah. I love my kids. I can't give them back. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. (laughs) And I just, I wasn't, I was depleting my my energy and myself faster than anything I could attempt to try and, mm. and fill it back up. Mm-hmm. And I finally hit a point when I realized that I needed to, to do something different. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do my own thing. And so I started originally, um, it was Kim Bryant Physical Therapy. And I remember that summer we were in Wyoming. Um, we go to Wyoming every every year to visit um, my in-laws. And coming back from that, I was done with my previous job. I was a outpatient, I was in an outpatient clinic and I had started their pelvic floor program. I knew when I came back here, 
that was done. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling all the feelings. Mm -hmm. I was scared. I was happy. I was nervous. I didn't know if I was making the right decision. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know what? If worse comes to worse, if things don't work out, I can always go back and find another job. So I felt like I had something to fall back on. Mm -hmm. But I started my practice um, actually out of my house. It just started building from there. Mm -hmm. A couple years later, I rebranded and um, changed the name to Thrive Pelvic Health and Wellness. Currently now we have five different locations Mm -hmm. within the Phoenix area. I have four, a total of four practitioners working for me and a couple of support staff. And yeah, um, it's been really amazing. I feel extremely blessed. And I say it's the desired chaos because things are still chaotic. Yeah. You know, I'm still balancing my career and my kids are now doing like the sports and you know, I'm still, I'm making time for my friends and working out. So it's still a little chaotic, but mm-hmm. now it's, it's on my time. Mm-hmm. I, I get to choose or have a better say in what I'm doing with my time and when. Yeah. So, um, it's definitely been very fulfilling, but it's, it's busy. Yeah. It's busy. Life is busy. I have yet to meet someone who's like, oh, I don't have a lot going on. (laughs) You brought up an excellent point, though, and I want to get your perspective, Mindy. You talked about, you know, that you reached a point where there was no amount of, like, pouring into yourself that was going to keep you sustainable, right? Because we always think about, like, oh, we got to do more self-care. We got to do more self-care. And sometimes, I mean, self-care is definitely important, but that's not always the solution. You had, you realized that you had to make a, a big change. So for either of you, Mindy first, how do you know, have you experienced that? And then also, how do you know when it's like, okay, I've actually got to make a change. It's not rearranging and shuffling the same things in a different order. So it's a really good question. I relate to so much of what you shared, and I'm sure many women do, whether you're self-employed, entrepreneurial, working for somebody, just the idea of all the things on your plate that you have to juggle and the feeling of not being good enough in any of those areas, despite waking up tired and going to sleep tired. So clearly giving of everything that you have, right? Mm -hmm. I think the idea of having to make choices and changes in your life comes from a place in honoring your seasons. Mm. So I've always lived and enjoyed living a very full life, busy. If you use that term, full, what you know, fulfilling, whatever it is, right? And and as a mom of a young toddler who I feel like is changing seasons, I don't know, every 36 hours <laughs> or so, yep. I have mm-hmm. become acutely aware of the fact that when I say yes to some things, I am in some way saying no to others. Mm -hmm. And I don't push that as a scarcity mindset. It's not that there's, you know, a one-for-one trade-off for things. It's that there are only, not only so many hours in a day, Mm -hmm. but I only have so much energy to expend. Mm -hmm. And in order to 
prioritize the things that are most important to me or most fulfilling to me or most necessary from me from an energy management perspective, I have to be acutely aware of of what I am filling my days with. Mm -hmm. And it is very hard. I think when you start to feel like you're on a a repeating wheel, that's a good indicator. Mm -hmm. When you just feel like you don't have a pause moment. And it could be that you're not busy at all and still feel that way, right? The idea of like filling in routine. Mm -hmm. And routine is great and structure is great. But if you become aware of it and it starts to just feel like this never-ending cycle, I think that that is a good indicator. Mm -hmm. I think that if you can't recognize in your day or week the moments that you push on the pedal and the moments you take your foot off the pedal, like Mm -hmm. if you can't very clearly identify any change in pace, Mm -hmm. there probably is a need for a shift because I think a healthier, balanced, or again, back to the energy management, I think in order to do that, you have to have both. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel like you're always on or always off, or you just can't identify the cycles, you're probably at a place of needing a change. So those I think are the big ones for me. And I think maybe the last one would be not feeling fulfilled in spite of choosing things that are fulfilling. That I think is a a really big one for me. Community work is a big part of what I do. Giving back is a big part of what I do. Inspiring others to give is a big part of what I do. And when I feel like I'm just going from thing to thing to thing, and I almost don't even have the space to feel the joy Mm -hmm. from the work that we're doing, Mm -hmm. that's an indicator to me that something is, is not by design at that point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How did you know I needed to hear all of those reminders? <laughs> I was literally having this conversation with my husband yesterday. Oh, um, I have so many questions for both of you. But first, you both have talked about it a little bit of knowing when to say yes and knowing when to say no and not coming from a scarcity mindset, as you said, Mindy, but really coming from like a prioritization or a clarity on what's important, what's not important. For those of us that may or may not struggle with boundaries, <laughs> as business owners, how do you get clear on what's important? And then how do you decide what's a yes and what's a no? So, Kim? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I struggle with the the boundaries on a regular basis. It kind of, sometimes I'm like really spot on. I'm like, yeah, I feel good. Mm-hmm. And then there's other times when I know that I'm not holding on or valuing some of those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I start to just don't find, like you said, those that difference between my I'm on and my off. It's just I'm going. So mm-hmm. I would say one thing that's really helped me is I have this whiteboard in, in my office and it literally says my why. Mm-hmm. And it, it has changed um, somewhat. You know, like my why is still... Um, my family, my kids Mm -hmm. um, are a huge part of that. But then there's other aspects of that that have some changes and develop Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. as my business, as I grow, as my kids maybe don't need as much from me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I try and keep that at my my forefront of when I say yes to something, Mm -hmm. I go back to my why. Does this maintain or does this support Mm-hmm. my why. Yeah. You know, and there are times when I've had to give a little bit and I'm like, eh, I know that if I commit to this, then I'm not able to maybe attend my my kids' 
baseball game, mm-hmm. but I'm choosing to do that. And I, I make that conscious choice. And mm-hmm. I know that I'm doing that for this purpose because it's fulfilling something else within 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 me. Yeah. But I really try and keep that at the foundation of all of my my choices. Um, and then that helps to keep me in, in line and keep some of those boundaries if I if I use that as a tool. So that's something that has been mm. really helpful. I don't stick to it all the time. <laughs> Life is messy, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's something that's been really helpful for me. I love that visual representation mm-hmm. of your why, like clearly so you can see it because our mind thinks in pictures. So I love that, that piece. Mindy, what about you? I think my greatest asset in maintaining boundaries is having accountability partners in life. Because I think when you can't remember things, if you have the right people around you, they remind you of those things. And my journey as a leader has been to develop this real estate team of all women and all moms. And so by design, I've curated the people that I spend my time with. Mm -hmm. And being around them truly is my greatest accountability partner in life. I am constantly encouraging them to hold boundaries and hold space for themselves. And it's very hard if you believe in being an authentic person to speak these things and not feel like there's a mirror (laughs) being held up to your face while you're talking. I mean, it's like Mm -hmm. a constant reminder to yourself. Mm -hmm. It has really been one of the greatest tools that I have. Now, it's very difficult as a leader, especially a female leader, to not be challenged by the idea that you can be a work in progress and Mm -hmm. still help others. It's very easy as you're coaching people or talking to people to feel the mirror right up against your face and feel like, who am I to be encouraging this when I know inside I don't have this all figured out? Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something that I try to constantly be aware of and give myself grace for. And that's very hard. But definitely choosing the people in your life and ensuring that they they echo the things that you think are important from the perspective of, you know, helping you achieve them and encouraging you. And when you speak about them, if they don't tell you that you're being inauthentic or out of alignment, that you naturally start to feel that and it helps you pay attention to those things. Yeah, I think who you surround yourself with is so, so important. And I do wonder if you encourage your team to give you feedback and to kind of call you out when like, hey, you're not being authentic or you're not living by what you said you wanted to do or whatever. How do you create that culture where your team members are feel comfortable enough to be like, mm, Kim, Mindy, I think we're kind of off course because I know you both do it. So Kim, how do you do this? I try and check in um, with my team um, and always leave the door open um, for feedback. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't get it as as much as I, I want to because I, I, I want that to be part of my growth, part of our growth. And we don't, we don't know. And I, I, I make mistakes and I will say, oops, yep, 
I'm human yet again, you know? <laughs> but I, I always am asking for, for feedback um, from my team and how could we have done this differently? What it's not just Thrive isn't just me, mm-hmm. it's us. Yeah. You know, so I, I really try and create that that culture of this isn't us. Like, let's take some of your experiences and, and your ideas. How can we make this better? Mm-hmm. So I, I try and have that that open door, that communication that goes both ways. And that's been something that's been really helpful and and just asking my team, well, what what do you think has what do you think worked with this? Mm-hmm. And and what do you think? Maybe we could do better next time. Yeah, that's great. I have learned a gajillion leadership lessons (laughs) along the way. And most of them are reflections of my own journey Mm -hmm. in life and learning things about myself and the way I was raised and how I learned to communicate and the protections that I put up around myself. And I mean, leadership for me is such a personal journey if you really allow it to be, and it impacts way more than just the people you're leading. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I have really paid attention to is how to be transparent with people while still encouraging them and coming from a place of positivity. And I don't mean forced positivity. I just mean the idea that I believe as a leader, our job is to think several steps ahead and to help guide the people that we're working with into their best possible outcome. Mm -hmm. And knowing how to balance that messaging with, it's not always easy for me. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times what I've experienced is my team will say things like, we just assume it's so easy or so natural for you in certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so then I don't get the support either as a person, as a woman, as as a friend, as a partner, because if I don't talk about those things, like before I go on stage to speak or before I do something in public, I may represent myself well, and I've done it for many years, so I have the practice, that doesn't mean I don't get just as nervous every time before I do it. So getting better about talking about that so that they can relate to it. Mm -hmm. And through that shared relationship, they get more comfortable providing feedback. Because I think sometimes we try to force the feedback just by asking for it. And even if you don't run a hierarchical business, which I don't think that I do, there's just a natural thing that humans do to look at you either as their boss or their leader or whatever it is. And so I don't think it's possible to like go direct and just say, give me the feedback. It's fine. I want it. Give it to me. I just don't think that works for everybody. So you have to create like shared experiences that then create some level of trust that then allow them to be open in that space. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, a lot of the messages that I've gotten throughout my life for a variety of experiences from difficult childhood things to adulthood to recent things the feedback that I get is, well, you're so strong. Like you are functioning, you're doing all the things. So I didn't think or know that you needed help. And that's been really hard for me because it feels like on the inside, I've been like screaming like, hey, I could use some support too here, right? I'm holding everybody and everything together. 
But everybody's like, well, you're doing it so well, so you're good. Keep going. <laughs> it really resonated um, with me, Kim, something that you wrote on the on this guest form about knowing not only when to say no, but when to say yes to help. So for each of you in your journeys as leaders, you know, it is a little bit vulnerable to be like, hey, yes, I'm going to go on stage and I'm going to do and, and, you know, do the best that I can and, and be great. But before I do that, I'm going to go throw up in the bathroom <laughs> and try not to pass out. But and letting people in on that journey, how have you guys let people in and accepted the yes and the help and talked about it? You you answered that a little bit, but Kim, from your perspective, how have you done that? It's been a lifelong struggle growing up, and and even now, sometimes I feel like we only my I would see how my mom would grow up and she would not ask for help, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I I felt that if I asked for help or accepted help, I was, I wasn't enough. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was doing something wrong and I wasn't strong. Mm-hmm. And so it has taken me a very, very long time to say, you know, because people will ask, oh, hey, do you need help with anything? And off the time, it's just, it would, it's just rolling off. No, I'm good. No, I'm good. <laughs> so it took that one time to be, to, to say, yeah, I do need some help. <laughs> and then how that made me feel, how that made that person helping me, like it just, it lifted this huge burden off my shoulders. And I thought, that's all I had to do. <laughs> I just had to say yes. <laughs> and so it's been this positive feedback of, oh my gosh, it's it's okay for me to one, ask for help, mm-hmm. but then to accept it. And so that has been something that has helped to take some of these burdens that I feel off my shoulders and allow me to have that that better balance. And I'm still learning some too, like when to delegate here and when to, you know, take things on. Um, but it's definitely been really great to accept assistance and say yes. And you didn't die. And I didn't <laughs> die. No. Okay. That's good. It gives me encouragement. Because <laughs> I tell myself the same story. It's like, I should be able to, or if I really was this, then I would be able to do a million things and cram, you know, all the things in, in one day. And that's just not possible. And I think somebody um, told me while we were navigating um, my husband's crisis this summer that people want to help. Mm-hmm. And it feels better for them if you say, yes, here's something you can do or, you know, help figure that out versus like, no, 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 I don't. I don't want anything because people, we all want to help each other. And that's actually one of the reasons why I thought you guys would be great guests together is talking about the helping in the community because I know community is such a big part for both of you. And I know it's how you've built both of your businesses and it's just so passionate um, a topic for both of you. So if we shift to community and help, um, Mindy, why don't you talk about your new nonprofit that you started this year, which I, for some reason, I thought it was a couple years old, but wow. Oh my gosh. Here we are. So tell us all about your your nonprofit. Thank you. Yeah, it has been a crazy year. I do the same thing. I think COVID sort of messed up our time, like sense of time. (laughs) Many things this year I've done kind of in December, you do like a wrap up Mm -hmm. of things and I'm like, we've been doing this for two years, whatever it is. And I look and I'm like, I mean, six years. Like, it's just so bizarre how time goes. But 
Yeah. So Community on Purpose, we officially launched this year. My team at the Amy Jones Group has been doing a ton of community work. And like you said, it is exactly how we've built our business. I believe very strongly in the power of building community and back to the help conversation. That's been my tool for trying to remember to ask for help and Mm -hmm. to and to be grateful for it because I truly believe we were not meant to do this life alone. And I have seen the power of community firsthand many times over. I believe every connection is the chance to change the world and you just never know why you met someone or where that relationship is going to go. And that has shown up for me in life a million different ways. And so I try to remember that when people ask me for help and try to find some way that we can partner on things because you just, you don't know what you can do for somebody else by allowing them to be engaged and to give them a means for engagement. So the whole idea behind Community on Purpose was that we were doing a ton of community work. I have a background in nonprofit work. It's it's just always been a part of who I am and how I operate. And I really just had this feeling in my belly that I was supposed to be doing something with it. I come from a background in the nonprofit sector. And so I'm very cognizant of duplication of services. And I think there's a lot of really great organizations out there. And so hadn't really ever thought I'd be down the path of creating my own. I've always just helped other ones. Mm -hmm. There was just something that made me feel that this was particular to the concept of community. And it was really born out of the areas of service that have become very clear as being very important to myself and to my team. And that was really around women in leadership and organizations supporting youth and families. And so it felt like it needed its own home. But our goal is to raise money and volunteers for organizations who are already doing really great work. Mm -hmm. So this year, I think we've supported 15 organizations between... ICANN and Chandler and House of Refuge and Mesa and Jacob's Mission and Mesa and Closed Cabin and Gilbert. And I mean, I could just, Shannon's Giving, we just donated meals for Thanksgiving in partnership with Amanda Hope Rainbow Angels at Phoenix Children's Hospital. We did 16 families for the Chandler Unified School District in partnership with Akatio Friends that we wrapped this morning. I mean, I just, it's hard not to want to give and do and inspire others to see how accessible giving can be. And it doesn't have to be money. It can be time. It can be treasures. It can just be awareness. Mm -hmm. You know, as women, I think we put a lot of weight on our shoulders when we do volunteer, we do engage. Are we doing it good enough? Are we a good enough volunteer? Are we helping enough? You know, and it's like just providing awareness to the organization or talking about it or posting something about it. Like it takes all of us and all parts of us. So that was really the idea behind Community on Purpose was really that a lot of times you hear community community talked about as being something that happens organically. Mm -hmm. And I call BS on most things that people think happen organically Mm -hmm. because I just think it can feel organic and Mm -hmm. it's great because that means you're in alignment but it usually takes intention. And community on purpose is exactly that, creating community with intention. 
I love that so much. That is a lot that you guys have done in one year. You <laughs> named some of my most favorite nonprofits in that. And I think I shared when I was on your podcast that I come from a nonprofit background as well. And so I love that. And I love the really thinking about like, let's not recreate the wheel. If the wheel already exists, how can we just make it spin faster? That's really awesome. So Kim, tell us how community shows up in your business because literally everyone I talk to knows who you are. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, we try and be present in a lot of different spaces and communities. We give postpartum talks, pregnancy talks, what to expect to different communities at different centers Mm -hmm. um, around the valley. We also try and do some community drives for mm-hmm. diff- a couple different places. So we just finished a canned food drive for St. Vincent de Paul mm-hmm. um, in November. And we also um, give back to—we do menstrual product drive for mm-hmm. Go With The Flow AZ, um, which is a nonprofit that— provides menstrual products for those that might not have access to or can't afford. Mm-hmm. So we do that a couple times a year. So we just I try and and find local nonprofits that we can support. So usually when we have those community outreach opportunities, then I like to give back to the people coming in and supporting my spawn business. So there is typically mm-hmm. a, a discount also provided for them because if, you know, we can give a little, you can get a little. Mm-hmm. And it just, it makes everyone feel good mm-hmm. when we can give back to people in our own community. Absolutely. And one thing that I love about you, Kim, we're part of um, a collective of women business owners in Mesa. Um, and when they send out like a group message or a text or something, or they're doing an event, you're one of the first people always to be like, here, I'm going to help, or do you need this? Or can I do that? Or, and you're supporting with education around all these different businesses. So there's a midwifery pr- uh, practice, there's doula service. And like what you checked in earlier when, in the very, very beginning, we we're talking about pelvic health isn't necessarily something that there's a lot of awareness around in the pregnancy domain and the amount of education that you do to help women. Um, Because it was never talked about when I I was pregnant Mm -hmm. with any of my three kids. Like, I never, never even crossed my mind. I, well, I shouldn't probably admit this on air, but I've already told you once, (laughs) is that, like, I go work out every day and I pee my pants and I just thought that's how it has to be. And this is reminding me I really do need to make that appointment. <laughs> but just the amount of advocacy and education and thoughtfulness and the way that you so carefully care, like connect with people and, and provide so much education. I've always admired that about you. Oh, thank you. Right. Awesome. <laughs> we always joke my best friend and I have the same problem, which now she's going to be mad at me for saying that. Um, but we said if we can hold hands together and see you, then we'll do it. <laughs> so— Just quickly, since I brought up the topic and I am very curious for myself, why, do you know the answer to this? Why is it not more talked about in the pregnancy space? And I know you just launched a course about my issue. So what are some things to be looking out and what is normal and what's not normal? So not normal is anytime, anytime you leak when you're, when you don't want to. Like so when you're doing jumping jacks. Jumping jacks, coughing, yelling at your kids, whether, mm-hmm. I mean, it might be a bad thing, it might be a good thing. Sneezing. Sneezing. Walking. Yep, we, I call that peezing. 
<laughs> okay. Um, so I think that we have normalized leaks in urinary incontinence, especially um, after having kids. Mm-hmm. It's very common. One in three women have that diagnosis, but we don't talk about it. One of my big missions is to take that that stigma, take that shame out of all things pelvic health. We don't talk about, you know, leaks. We don't talk about pain with intercourse because it takes a, it takes, you have to be a little bit vulnerable with yourself and with mm-hmm. potentially your providers. And I would absolutely love it if, if we got to the point where I could say, yeah, I, I leak a little bit when I, when I sneeze just as easily as we say, I slept kind of funny and my neck hurts. Mm. Those are muscles. Those are both functional things, right? If I, if I was driving and I'm like, oh man, I hurt my neck because I slept funny. I, you know, and I turn funny. It's, it's okay to talk about it. Why is it not okay? Everybody has a pelvic floor. So why is it not okay? So that's just that we're talking about it. I'm so excited. Mm. So in the urinary incontinence masterclass, talk a little bit about some of the kind of anatomy that's involved. I think that our sex education program um, for our youth is lacking tremendously. So every single time, anytime someone's coming into the clinic, I'm doing a virtual appointment or any sort of educational course that I have, I always start with the anatomy. I think it is so important for us to have a very basic understanding of what things should feel like and look like in our bodies so that we can start to tap into that space and start making positive changes. So in that course, we talk about some of the anatomy of pelvic floor, bladder, posture, and then I provide you some very simple tips, some exercises, some stretches, depending on what's potentially going on with pelvic floor so that you can be on your 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 journey, you can start to make some of these positive changes so that you don't have to cross your legs every time you sneeze, or you don't have to only wear black pants to the gym. Busted. (laughs) (laughs) On both of those. (laughs) I didn't even realize, like, it's just such a natural habit that, like, Mm -hmm. always, no matter what, I cross my legs when I sneeze just because life. Mm -hmm. That's not normal is what you're saying. No. Hmm doesn't have to be like that. So there's a chance that it could be fixed. Oh, we can definitely fix that. That is like life-changing. It's huge. And I love the amount of education that you do on your social media channels, Kim, of giving back. Like if you if you check out her social media at Thrive Pelvic Health, there you just give an abundance of education. And it literally was the first time that I was like, oh, oh, this might be something that I should think about because it, it was never on my, it was just like, well, you're a mom now. This is what you get to deal with. Have fun. So thank you for giving back to the community in that way. And just, you spend so, well, I don't know if you spend so much time, but it looks like you spend so much time <laughs> on all of your videos and all of your reels. And I just really thoroughly enjoy them. Well, thank you. All right. Now let's um, get out of our bladder pelvic floor area just for a little bit. Although if it's totally fine. We could stay there all day. Yeah. <laughs> But one question that's just been in the back of my mind that I, I really wanted to ask you, Mindy, is is what was your original, like, how did you get into real estate and what was the passion behind that? What's the story and how you started sure. in the wild world of real estate? 
I mean, the truth of the matter is it is a good way to describe my personality type in that I like to try new things that I don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. I had two previous careers prior to coming into real estate and moved my way up very quickly in both of them and left both careers when things were going really wonderfully and just sort of decided that I wanted to do something different (laughs) and learn how to do it. And what I think that I've loved about real estate that I didn't anticipate and about being a business owner is that I no longer have to blow up my career path and start all over again Mm -hmm. when I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. This has become truly an aligned platform for me to explore lots of different parts of me. And that feels so good. Mm -hmm. My first career was in the nonprofit sector. So I started the community volunteer program at Phoenix Children's Hospital after doing a year of service uh, with AmeriCorps through an organization that was called Make a Difference that's now called Hands-On Greater Phoenix. My true passion in life has always been the nonprofit sector, and I really enjoyed my time there. I worked in the non- in the volunteer organization and also in the foundation doing fundraising for the Center for Cancer and Blood Disorders. And when I left there, I wanted to get my master's in public administration and thought that I worked too much at the hospital. And so I thought I would just go get some nine to five job. And so I became an office manager in an IT space where I thought for sure I would find no emotional connection to what I was doing and quickly realized it wasn't the company that made me work too much. It was (laughs) me and who I was. So when I left there, I was designing and delivering sales training globally for an IT company. Also loving what I did there. And then I think I made some comment to my stepmom and my dad who ran a real estate team to the effect of I didn't want to travel anymore. And I think the comment was something along the lines of if you were a real estate agent in Arizona, you wouldn't have to travel for work. And I think about eight weeks later, I quit my job and got my license and started doing this. Wow. The good of all of these decisions, which I actually reflected on recently as I was making some other life choices, is that I really have a belief and I've always operated in a way that I will make it work just fine Mm -hmm. and I will be just fine. And I'm so grateful that I have that view of the world because mm-hmm. I don't think everybody does. And I think for the people that don't, life is much harder for them. I've always looked at my world like I have it easier than other people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can be in what feels like the exact same circumstance. I've been divorced now for almost two years. So I'm a single mom of a toddler. There's a lot obviously that goes into that in addition to just the trauma and healing from divorce and relationships mm-hmm. ending and Sometimes I'll be in a circumstance with someone who appears to be in very similar situation and I just think, oh, but it's so much harder for them. Mm -hmm. And I think, but why? And it's really just, I think, the mindset that I've carried with me that I will be okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you mentioned before about making decisions and wanting to make the right decision and not wanting to mess things up. And I've learned so much about making decisions and the fact that when you make a decision, 
there are so many steps in between the decision that you make and the actual outcome that you have no control over. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we make decisions, we can really put ourselves through the ringer of like, are we making the right choice? And you have the anxiety and the obsession. And Mm -hmm. and that is totally me. I'm not exempt from that. But I have tried to reflect on these other decisions that I've made in life and think if other people looked at them from the outside, they probably thought I was crazy and they Mm -hmm. probably thought it wasn't going to work or I'd have a problem. And The truth is I have not ended up under the bridge from any of the decisions (laughs) that I've made to date. Mm -hmm. And so I have to just trust that I won't Mm -hmm. and that I will always make it work. And so coming into real estate, I always just say was nothing that I ever expected I would do, but it ended up being the marriage of truly two things I'm really passionate about, and that's running businesses and helping other people run businesses, which I did in my in my previous career, and people and helping people. And real estate has allowed me to do that. My greatest passion is helping people through a very challenging circumstance and building a team of women and helping them feel empowered to help people in a way that not everybody can do. And then being able to explore all of this giving and choosing who I want to work with and what I want my platform to be and who I want to give a platform to. And I just had a woman today, we have a meeting next week, and she said, I have two, you know, I have two kids. One, I'm not going to be able to leave. I have the other one coming with me. I still want to come to this meeting, but I would have to bring my kid with me. But I really want to come to the meeting. Is that okay? And I said, I never can be a part of an organization or a space Mm -hmm. that would say no to something like that. So it's not only an emphatic yes, but like you literally just made my day. I will do anything, no matter how hard it is to run a business, to ensure that I always get to make that choice. I will Mm -hmm. never be in a space where someone could say no to something like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's just those moments of like gratitude Mm -hmm. for what I've created and what I continue to manifest through relationships with others on a path that I honestly never expected myself to go down. I have so many thoughts in my head. I love <laughs> I love everything that you just said. And there's so much, I see such an overlap in both of you of like wanting to create your own path and the vehicle with which you're doing that is, is your current businesses or industry. But really what I heard from both of you is that what what lights you up is the flexibility, the ability to, to you know, you can pivot. You pivoted earlier in, in your um, business, Kim, a little bit to do the things that interest you so you don't have to just quit the job and then where am I going to go? Because you get to create it all. And I think that's, for me too, that's one of the things that is so magical about entrepreneurship is you get to wake up every day and decide like, what is it that you're going to do? Of course, you have clients and things, you know, that that can dictate some of that. But at the end of the day, like you really could just decide what you want to do or, or don't. And I think the other piece, I love that so much about bringing your kids along is in my office that we moved into this summer, that was a big piece for me is we have a separate area. It's, well, it's open space and then five offices, but one of the offices is dedicated to a kid's room where there's toys and, and games and things for them to play because that's, I never want that to be an obstacle to come to a meeting or come to a session. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the reasons why I named the business that I 
named the way I named it was mother and founder was because I was tired of showing up in places as one thing or the other where I had to be this leader. I had to be this professional person. And if, if anyone knew that I was a mother, I was something different or less than. And I just was so tired of it. And I wanted to create space and place for us to be both things and do them how we want to, which is another thing, Mindy, that you um, put in your guest form is that your family is getting the best of us, not the rest of us. And that like hit home so hard because I'll be honest, lately, my family's been getting the rest of me and that's not what I want, right? We didn't have kids to then stress and and not enjoy the moments. And so that just kind of like brought me right back to center. And especially this time of year with younger kids, with all kids, but younger kiddos when you know, all the magic of the season and to just miss that was like, whoa, this was my sign that I need to take a breath and just really enjoy it and think about the intentionality between each different section. And then the last of two more questions, I think we're almost running out of, oh, we're good. Okay, we got a few more minutes, but have you ever read either of you the book, Everything's Figureoutable? No. Oh my gosh, it's a great book. It's Marie Forleo, I think is the author. But that was like that mindset you were talking about of no matter what happens, there's going to be a solution. Everything is figureoutable. And I I really subscribe, and I, Kim, I saw you're shaking your head too, to the whole, you know, I'm going to be okay. And I think that's the mindset you have to have to be a successful entrepreneur that, you know, it might not end up how we thought it was going to end up, but it'll be okay because we have this resiliency. And for me, it comes from experiencing really hard things as a, as a young child and seeing that, I was okay. And so in some ways for me, it's a trauma response, but it's been a really useful one. And I've noticed the world that have this different viewpoint when people are really unsure. And of course I'm unsure, but when they're, they really are convinced that it's not going to be okay, it is a very different place. So I'm just curious. Some people call it tenacity. Some people call it, I don't know, grit, optimism, whatever it is. How did that how did that manifest or show up in your guys' lives? Like, do you know where it came from? Where did it come from? Um, now, now we're in therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel a little bit comes from going through tough things mm-hmm. and the buildup. I get anxious. Mm-hmm. I get nervous when things are are going to be coming, whether that's my kid's birthday party, hosting Thanksgiving. I get all the feels. But you know what? Every single time it gets done and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And so the more times that I have faith in with the process, that builds some of that that tenacity mm-hmm. and and that grit. Mm-hmm. So it's I think it's it's getting through some of those challenging times, depending and reaching out to some of my community, mm-hmm. um, friends, family, other practitioners that I get get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I also, when I was growing up, I always was like, well, I wish I didn't have to experience these things or it wasn't so hard or whatever it is. And now as an adult, granted, I, I don't really wish that everything happened, but I'm it, there's a big part of me that's grateful because it really did show me like, you're tough. It, well, you didn't choose to be tough, but you can get through it. And like, I have not lived under a bridge based on my decision yet either. Mm-hmm. Let's knock on wood that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But but I just have this this undying faith and commitment that I have everything and the resources that I need to figure it out. Yeah. I feel like the scars 
make us, whether those are physical or emotional, they make us who we are. You know, I can't take them away, but it's that scar, that impact that made me the person I am in this moment. And I wouldn't change it. I think for me, it comes from a belief that I have that everybody has the ability to change their circumstance. And I say that with caution because it's important to recognize that not everyone is given the same resources and not everyone in this world is afforded the same rights. And we cannot gloss over that. Mm -hmm. And we know that there are people that have to work 10 times as hard for the same outcome. Knowing that, I believe that everybody has the capacity to do that. And I think that that's always been my mindset. I have told the story before that I started a peer mediation group in second grade. And I think the reasoning behind that is that I feel like I felt awkward and uncomfortable in some school situations and environments. And I believed that if people could support other people who might be feeling that same way, that we would all be the better for it. And so I think when you truly believe that if you can give a hand to somebody or if somebody is lucky enough to have a role model in their home that models that behavior for them or however they get it, they find a good teacher, they find a good friend, a stranger, like whatever it is, but that if we can help people with that sort of lifeline, then I really believe that everybody has the ability to achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. And so I think if you really believe that about the world, not only are you motivated to help other people get there, but you truly realize the power that you've been given to change your circumstance and other circumstance. And I think as I've gotten older, I've just been reminded that I am not in charge. Mm -hmm. And my job is just to open doors and create paths and mm -hmm. be a good person and watch it unfold. And I feel a lot of weight in the world. And I just want to keep walking on that journey. And hopefully I can inspire my son to live the same way. I'm sure you're inspiring him every day, mm. even if it doesn't seem like it. it'll be interesting because my son, my oldest is eight, and Kim, you can probably speak to this better than I could, but the things that I've said to him when he was three, four, five are starting to show up and in like conversations <laughs> with his friends when he doesn't think I'm listening and I'm like, oh, he did hear some things. So it's really, really fun. I'm sure you see that too. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And so much more for my Yeah, I mean, some of it gets in, not all yes. of it. <laughs> Good. So in wrapping up, I have one question, and then um, I'd love for you to tell the audience how they can get a hold of you, connect, follow. Um, but if somebody was new on their either leadership or entrepreneurship journey, what's the one piece of advice that you would give them? Just one. I know it's a big question. Oh, just one. I would say start with your why. Mm. Figure figure that out and use that for building your business, your whatever it is that you you want and that will help keep you grounded in some of those challenging decisions. 
I love it. Thank you. And if people want to get a hold of you, how can they find you? Look for um, my Instagram or TikTok, Pinterest, uh, thrivepelvichealth.com. I love that. The why really leads to clarity, right? Mm -hmm. And it's such a good filter then for the things that you choose to do or support or be a Mm -hmm. part of. I think for me, it's really about choosing your people. Mm-hmm. Be very wise about who you bring into your inner circle. Make sure they are encouraging and supportive. And as you make life's choices, they feel that their job is to walk alongside you, not walk in front of you and not walk behind you, but to walk alongside you in that journey. And I think it's really important that we we have a permeable barrier, right? We allow what can come in and what can come out. It's it's not a wall. And so choosing the people who you allow in that space, I think is really important. So how people can find yes. me. I am not on TikTok, bless your soul. I <laughs> am trying to not be 100 years old. My team tells me, they call me Grandma Mindy, um, <laughs> but I will try to get there. Definitely Instagram, definitely Facebook under Amy Jones Group is where you can see all of the real estate and community stuff that we do, um, or just me, Mindy Jones. I'm on LinkedIn also, and we'll get to TikTok. <laughs> and Community on Purpose has a handle too, right, on Instagram? Yeah, so they're also Community on Purpose AZ. Their website is probably a better place, though, to just get a full picture of what we do, and that's just communityonpurpose.com. You can make donations there. You can check out all the episodes of our podcast, see the different organizations we've served, all those kinds of things. It's awesome. And Kim is TikTok famous, so maybe she can give us some tips because her social media is really good. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I have a few videos on TikTok, but I feel like a grandma too, because what are these kids doing these days? It's wild. But all right. Well, thank you both ladies for being here. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. I appreciate your time. Thank you. You have been listening to the Messy Middle Podcast and Radio Show presented by Mother and Founder Co. We hope you have found a few pieces of wisdom to help you navigate your own messy middle. Be sure to subscribe to The Messy Middle on your favorite podcast platform and follow Jen Burwell and Mother and Founder Co. on Instagram. Remember, beginnings are usually scary and endings can sometimes be sad, but it's the middle that counts the most. Until next time, stay curious, kind, and messy.